Welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. Joining me, a man who before we went on air was having a holy and sanctifying conversation, President of Vision USA, Glenn Fitzgerald. I like to keep it clean, y'all. <laughs> also joining us, a man who was uh, joining him in that conversation that was mostly about khakis and 401ks, Jed Brewer, the director of Vision USA Productions. I like a nice IRA plan, personally. That's <laughs> what I favor. A little bold for me. Yeah. So joining us, a man who was talking about how much he enjoys the comedy of one Bob Hope. <laughs> Bob Hope gets after it. Uh, that's the that's the only clean comedian I could comedian I could think of, which tells you a lot about the kind of stuff I consume. Yeah. One of the pastors of Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, Lee Younger. I'd like to thank the Academy because the Oscars are on tonight. I think. And I think it's the Grammys. Is it the Grammys? I'd like to thank the Grammys. Sure, the Grammy Academy. For the Grammy Academy, for the sure. pr- award I was not offered. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Did, we, did, did any of us get nominated for a Grammy? Nothing. Scandal. Nothing. Once again, passed over. That's right. Like just a lump of cheese. They could have nominated <laughs> the Pool House Guru. Would he have come down from his Tibetan chalet? No. Probably not. But no. he would have sent one of his emissaries. Mm-hmm. Be nice to be nominated. Yeah, that's right. Or get nominated for anything. I've never been nominated for anything. Well, you were named Chief Woman. Oh, that's true. I uh, I don't know if we mentioned it on the podcast. We but, named it at uh, the time, but it's it's worth revisiting. Oh, well, yeah, I got a thing in the mail. You know how you get those uh, those mailers that look suspiciously like they've been sent to seven thousand other people uh, <laughs> about but, how you can uh, pay money for your name in this book. Yeah, it. Th- th- but it was addressed specifically to me. Yes, uh, that's how you know it's good. Printed right off of a computer. And um, it was a letter inviting me to join, uh, I can't remember the exact name. but Something about Christian women the, leadership. The International Society of Christian that Women, a... something along those lines. So I'm a leading international woman. Yeah, international woman was definitely in there. <laughs> and uh, I pointed that out every time I met with the ladies from our ladies' ministry that I was For a, a while. leading international woman. And, uh, they were not impressed. They were not impressed. Well, it also ended up being one of these things where... Uh, you may you may see like in your local kind of car dealership or whatever they'll print out you know the uh, the the Forest Park best businesses of 2016 right and some of them are you know awards but some of them are just scams where you can pay and they'll give you the trophy which if you're a business owner it's maybe worth you know spending 30 bucks on the thing so you can have it up there but th- they were willing to print up a very uh, a very handsome uh, glass trophy for Glenn Fitzgerald International Woman of the Year right 2015. Yeah, it was pretty, uh, pretty high honor. So, yeah, you know. The, but other than that, I've, sure. I've never been anything but an international leading woman, which is pretty good to be fair. Oh Absolutely. yeah, it's, uh, it's a real Cinderella story considering you're neither international nor a woman. Well, and it, it's it's what do you call an unexpected pleasure? Absolutely, that's fair. Absolutely. So other than that, I just like to get down to the wisdom, y'all. Yep, get after it. I'd love to get down to the wisdom. Unfortunately. I have declared a consecutive emergency. Wow. An emergency. The second episode in the war- in a row where I declared an emergency. Oh, my This time, goodness. is it because I asked, forgot to ask someone else to do it? Maybe. But that's part <laughs> of why it's an emergency. Is is the emergency that, that the standards are horribly lacking on this show? Is no, that that's emergency? what you'd call the status quo. Oh, yes. yes. That, that definitionally can't be an emergency because we've done it 250 times in a row. Yes. Right. At that point, right. something loses really the definition of emergency slides. All right. Well, ditto. Okay. 
Touche. <laughs> We have a, we had a tweet come in on the Twitters. Yes, from uh, Miss Emily down there in Tennessee, woo, woo. Uh, who who t- tweeted that I, I think she has gotten a, a lovely new job where she works a night shift. Okay, and it said she looks forward to going to work on Tuesday nights because she knows she'll be one of the first people to listen to the podcast when it drops in the feed, often around uh, twelve thirty Central Time. Okay, so wow. and then but then because Emily's a, a very nice. A smart, accomplished woman who listens to this show and it has corrupted her in horrible ways because the follow up to that statement was, So I guess I win super fanning. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which I, I bring this up for two reasons. One, right. I'd like to put that to the, the, the three man super fan judging panel I have before me. Yes. Which is very appropriate on the Grammys night if we're gonna we're gonna do some super fan awards of our own. But also right. both on where does this rate and uh, I think we need, unlike the Grammys, who are a shadowy cabal, I think we need to put forward some super fan metrics so that people can know how they measure up. Definitely. That's, that's the important thing, really, is that people compete, compete with each other to win our approval. Yes, absolutely. As we mentioned before, that's very much the Glenn Fitzgerald School of Management. <laughs> yeah, uh, sort of like a gladiatorial, sure. yes. uh, you know, and then... Uh, well, it could be like almost like a race, like the like that show The Amazing Race. It's like, uh-huh. who listens to the show first? Who dispenses actual wisdom into somebody else's face that they uh-huh. heard on the show First, I haven't that, seen The Amazing Race in a while, but I think based on that show, who listens to it in a canoe? Yes. Right. I think yes. there are lots of canoes on that point. show, am I correct? I have no idea. I have never seen Okay, but show. we've got we've got we got uh who gets to it first. I think that's a very good one. Right. That's from Assembly. Right. I think Lee brings up speed, yeah. which is important. Also foisting it on others, which we can't yes. stress no that question. one enough. Yeah. That's great. Obviously, um rhythmic review leaving. Yes. Yes. Well, I think but here's let me just put this out there. Our Australian and Kiwi super fans would like to suggest that they hear it not only first, but they hear it a day early. Ooh. Yeah. That is, because it's a day earlier there. Sure. The 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 only difficulty is, and I don't know if this disqualifies them, when they listen to the podcast it goes the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. That's true. That is true. So that's uh, a that's a an apt if unpleasant metaphor for the show. <laughs> yeah, they you know circling it's like the drain. Everything's upside down and going the the wrong way down the drain. But uh, but I think they they've got to be uh, high in the running of uh, you know super fan status. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Exclude that. Uh, but the other thing that we we need to get into is we, that I didn't even think about this. Because here's what happens. You got people listening to this podcast, first thing. Yeah. Then you have other people. Now, let's not judge them, but these are horrible people with no priorities. Yeah. <laughs> and they don't listen to the podcast till maybe three or four hours after it comes out. Yeah. Some yeah. of these. They're the worst. Yeah. And some of these people are like, maybe a, a whole day goes by after it comes out. They don't, they can't even be bothered to listen to it in that day. Yeah. And of course these are, the, these are just uh, the lowest form of, of human life. But here's the problem is spoiler alerts. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Wow. People are telling the whole plot of yeah. the podcast. Absolutely. Right. Because it's like, you can't keep it inside. Yeah. 
Yes. Not to mention spoiling our post podcast credit sequences. Yeah, that's where right. we set up the next podcast. That's right. It, uh, you know, uh, and then of course, uh, people who listen to this podcast know we leave secret messages. Obviously, yes. Yeah, so you have to have your decoder ring to understand. Them, that's but... right. Uh, like if you take your written transcript that you already have of the show, and then right. you list, you, you you go by every third word. It yes. spells out a secret message. Absolutely. Just, for the people. So we're dealing with a lot here. Yeah. And I think, like, are, do we need to be worried that there are people listening to this podcast so early that they're spoiling it for everybody else? Because this, like, you can't listen to this podcast and just keep that to yourself. Not at all. That's an unreasonable expectation. You have to tell the yeah. people. You have to blast it. Yes. Our listener stats would indicate that you very much can. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's a complicated issue. Well, I think it really is. Well, I think, but the other the other aspect is: do we want to do we want to kind of Marvel Studios get on this? Do we want to encourage people sharing the spoilers as oh. a way to gin up some interest? Okay. Oh, controversy! Do I we like want to put the little you know? Here's a little flash of what's Thor doing in the Spider Man movie trailer? Right. Well, you right. got to drum up some interest there. Right. So I think we uh, do. Do we start planting spoilers? Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. Because here's the best thing about that is we don't have to actually do what the spoiler is. No, we can throw it out there. <laughs> it, got, it got caught in editing. That's right. Well, it's, know, it's like the. Uh, I'm sorry, Glenn, to cut you off, but it's like yeah, it's like good. the the Simpsons Halloween episodes. Like ev- like all the characters would die, and then the very next episode, everything's back to normal and everybody's alive, right. and it's totally fine. Absolutely, right. there, there, there are parts that are non-canon of this podcast, and if you can't differentiate those, that's on you. Absolutely, maybe dream if you were sequences. a better fan, you'd understand that. Sure. That's well, right. You'd be like those kind of people who put the dream sequences in the movie trailer. <laughs> Speaking of lowest forms of life. Well, so what can we put out there as a, as a, as a, as a teaser mm. that people can spoil it, mm. whether or not we actually do it? Okay. It's good. You know, like uh, you know, like we have a special guest on that that we announce, <laughs> right? That we just never necessarily put on the show. We well, you know, next, next time week, on say that. That's right, Pope Francis. Bumped. Absolutely right. Well, well, you know we've got C.S. Lewis booked for next week. Absolutely. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't have time. Yeah, yeah. gosh. So I think we're going to have to bump him to the following. <laughs> but we really appreciate him stopping Sorry, by. Clive. I call him Clive. Yeah, of course, of course. Sure that, well, you know. that, and the, the funny thing is uh, that janitor's actual name is C.S. Lewis. Yeah. So yep. uh, that's... That's real. Yeah, absolutely. We so wouldn't lie to you. We wouldn't lie to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. His name was his name was John Smith before we hired him and forced right. him to legally change his name to C.S. Lewis. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Next week he'll be legally changing his name to D.L. Moody. That's Have right. him on the show. <laughs> That's right. It's a star-studded lineup. Absolutely. Right. Turns out you just go down to the courthouse and give him forty bucks, and you change. We can change his name to whatever we want. So. We this is a true fact and a side note. At one point, we you know we used to do a jail service at Division Six at Cook County Jail. We're now in Division Twelve, but uh, years ago we did uh, a, a different part of the county jail there, and uh, we had one service where there was a guy in attendance whose actual name was William Clinton, and a guy, we, and we were talking to him about it, and he points his hooks his thumb at the guy standing next to him and he says, well, his name is Billy Graham. 
And that was his actual real real name. <laughs> That's amazing. So we put out a, a ministry letter about uh, uh, Bill Clinton and Billy Graham attended jail services uh, at, at our uh, Division Six uh, uh, ministry. So, technically That's fantastic. True. Yeah. Also, probably led to some very confused. Uh, I imagine this was pre-Google being widely available. Right. So very confused looking into Christianity today, see what exactly happened to Billy Graham? Yeah. yeah. Why is yeah. he locked up? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, but the good news is we led him to the Lord. So it's all, oh, it's all worked yeah. out. It all worked out. Did you did you, uh, did you you consider just getting them to say nice things about the ministry so you could technically quote Billy Graham? Yeah. This yeah. is the best ministry I've ever heard. Oh, yeah. Billy Graham, Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> it's all true. <laughs> I mean, you're you're responsible for the way you misinterpret that. You know? Absolutely, but I, but I think that that's exactly the kind of thing. Technically, we've booked Joel Osteen to come on and have a detente. Sure, that's right. In that we we wrote it down. Sure. That's what booking it is to me. It's yes. in the book. If it falls through, it's on him. Absolutely, that but we, we can promo it. We can't be responsible for him not showing up for something he did not know about. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we we did all we could do, which is. Saying it out loud on a show we know he's not aware of, but that's what, what more do you want from it's exactly us? like declaring bankruptcy? <laughs> <laughs> bankruptcy, that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, you were gonna well, say, well, in fairness, I mean, we can't be held responsible for anything in that we are completely irresponsible people, so that's, that's, that's true. It's well not so much that we can't be held responsible as much as we should not be held responsible. Yes, that's yes, right. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so I think we've solved it, fellas. Yeah, absolutely. I can't but, wait for uh, for the the for us to get the pull quote from Francis of Assisi. <laughs> it's at Assisi Street down here on the west side, and we know a guy named Francis. That's yeah. right. He thinks we're pretty good, so I think that's absolutely. That's I think it. I think we've come up with a whole new technically not fraudulent marketing strategy. That's it's going right. to be great. So get out there and spoil it. Yeah, with the spoilers, get the buzz going. Get the buzz going because that's what we want. Is as much unsubstantiated hype as possible. Absolutely. <laughs> that is true. That's how you do it Christian style. That's right. <laughs> There's no way we're going to deliver on any of this. Well, before we explore that thought anymore with very specific examples from our real lives, <laughs> I will declare emergency off. Smart move. Yep. Well, of course, there's also, not only does the podcast come out every week, we you can also be the first to... Get your bridge box email. Oh yes, you on can. the first of every month that comes out um, sometime between midnight and five a.m. Uh, Central Standard Time, depending on how various uh, computer softwares are willing to cooperate. Yep. But uh, if you, if you're one of our subscribers, it, it'll be right there the yep. first of every month in your inbox. Songs, sermons, Bible studies, lots of other good stuff. Only eight dollars, and the eight dollars you give, not only do you get bridge box for that, but you get to support the ministries we do up here in Chicago. You support what Lee does down there is all very good stuff. We are very thankful for our bridge box subscribers being a part of it. If you want to jump on missionusa.com/slash/bridgebox. All right, you jump to our first question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says. My depression has been really bad these couple of days where it's a battle to just show up at work. I haven't been doing a stellar job at work either, which makes me feel even worse. There's a near constant background of negative thoughts, like just streaming through. And my question is, what are some tips to stop these thoughts or manage them? It's tough preaching myself and stopping them because it's like, I try to keep myself positive and strong, and five minutes later, they're back. Very good question. And go ahead and start us off with this. Well, for sure. We're, we're thankful for you to, that, that you trust us to, to speak to this, and, and we appreciate you sharing. We're sorry for the, the struggle, for sure. 
and everybody on this podcast can relate to no what doubt. you're talking about. Yep. There's so many times where you have a negative thought that's just, it's so sticky. It's just hard to, uh, you know, sometimes we joke around here about it. It's like fighting off a mess of bees, you know, yep. it's yep. just like buzzing around you and you can't, you're swatting and trying to get rid of it. It's, it's small and, 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 and nagging more. And we than know what is. that's like because there have been a swarm of bees inside the bridge service before. That's yeah. true. Well, and that actually brings me to my next point. Of, of uh, uh, recently, I think uh, Matt uh, reposted a, a, a blog post I put up a while back about thinking positive. And mm-hmm. uh, here's the thing about uh, about that: we we often uh, joke when something's about to go horribly, horribly, horribly wrong, and we're all going to die, and uh, bullets are flying, or whatever it is. Uh, I'll turn in the midst of the impending prison riot or whatever the thing is, and I'll say, well, fellas, I think we ought to just think positive. Absolutely. Uh, you know, the, 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 the power of positive thinking is, is the is stuff that people talk about when it isn't all turning to liquid poo, you know. <laughs> so uh, it, it's a little bit of a different uh, mindset that we're we're advocating here. But part of what I'm trying to say is that... that it, you don't really fight negative thoughts with positive thoughts. That's mm. that's actually mm-hmm. not the right way of looking at it. Uh, it I mean, it's, it seems logical, but what we want you to do is, yes, to go into a, put your life in a positive direction. That mm. We're heading towards more positive things. That's the right viewpoint. But we don't fight negative thoughts with positive thoughts, we fight res- negative thoughts by fighting them, by mm. engaging with them, to wrestle with mm. them, to, 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 to grab them and, and, and arrest them, as the Bible says, to hold, take those thoughts captive and make them answer what truth is in you and what, what, what of this is a lie, and uh, to, to be on the offensive, to attack those thoughts, um, you, you're talking about managing that uh, negativity and, and whatever. And managing is the right word to use when there's no way we can overcome something. We're just we're live. If you have a, a diabetes, you're managing that mm-hmm. condition uh, so that the side effects don't uh, start taking over. In this uh, case, uh, this is not something that 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 ultimately needs to be banished. It's something that can be defeated. That's not something that happens all at once. It's it's something we peel away by layers, but it's important for you to look at this situation and say, I need to be on the offensive. I'm moving in a positive direction, but I'm really attacking these negative thoughts mm. and, and, and asking myself, is there any truth in them? I think that's a really good place to start this off, both in the practical advice of really attacking those thoughts and dealing with them, but also in that idea of, you don't just counter negative with positive on a right, case-by-case right. basis because the goal is not to have a life that is entirely neutral. That's right. The goal is to have a life that is good and positive and moving mm-hmm. in a good direction. And on some of that, there is you definitely need to confront those thoughts and deal with that. But I think, Jed, if you could walk us through, we also need a strategy that is not not entirely defensive. Sure. That's mm. the first word. We don't yeah. need to wait for negative thoughts to then get kicked into action. There are steps we can probably be taking to get moving in a positive direction that will uh, maybe downplay the amount of uh, fighting we have to do later on, right? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Uh, we're sorry for what you're struggling with, as Glenn mentioned, and something that all of us can relate to. If you're in a season where uh, depression's really getting in the way of your life, it's just making it hard for you to do the things you need to do, talk to your doctor. 
Uh, we yeah. really want to encourage you to talk to your to your GP. Um, if that's not an option for you for whatever reason, if you have a licensed counselor that you can talk to, that's a, a really good idea. I want to underscore the word licensed there. Mm-hmm. This is someone that's actually trained as a counselor. You can also, if you're uh, if you don't have a regular counselor, you see, and if you're not uh, if you're a little short of money, you can Google, especially if you live in a bigger metropolitan area, sliding scale or low fee therapy, and there are places that'll it's either uh, counselors who are doing their getting in their uh, kind of practical hours, or it's people mm-hmm. who just do it because that's part of what they do. But you can like you know fifteen dollars an hour level yeah. counseling. Uh, it turns out that uh, medication uh, helps a lot of people, and it's a good thing. Christians have a way of being weird about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have a point. Nope. Uh, they're just being weird for the sake of weird. Medication helps a lot of people, and the only person who's qualified to tell you whether or not it's a good fit for you is your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, not your pastor, uh, not your buddy, not your mom or your dad. Uh, it's your, your doctor's job is to tell you if that's a good fit for you. And if your doctor believes it is, then that's something for you to investigate. Um, there are also... Um, uh, on the counseling side of things, uh, there are all kinds of techniques out there that are designed to help with the kind of stuff that you're looking at. There's a field called cognitive behavioral therapy that is proven scientifically to have a huge impact and help people with exactly the kind of struggles that, that you're describing. Uh, so we really want to encourage you to look into that. In the meantime, one of the things I want to pick up right where Glenn left off and uh, ask you, really, more than anything else, uh, something to, to kind of ponder and think about. Uh, and it's a preview. If you do go see a good counselor, you're, you're likely to, to end up being asked this question. So Glenn suggested, and he's right, that, that these aren't thoughts that we try to make peace with. They're, they're thoughts that we go on the offensive, that we, right. we attack. And Glenn is absolutely right about that. Now, here's the interesting thing. Let's say for a second, you said that you're, you're struggling with depression and it's kind of causing you some problems. You feel like you're not doing a great job at work. And then the fact you're not doing a great job at work is, is making you, you know, feel worse. Well, mm. let's pause for a second. Here's the first thing. You're either doing a bad job at work or you're not. Right. This is an objective reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, there, there should be no opinion involved in this. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's how we know. It depends, you know, the kind of job you have, but you have a boss. Mm-hmm. Um, that boss is on a semi-regular basis evaluating your performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you are either being given a satisfactory evaluation or you're not. You've uh, been fired or you haven't. You've been fired or you haven't. Uh, if you if you still got a job, you ain't doing that bad a job. Right. Uh, again, right. that's that's we need to take opinion out of this for a second. Mm-hmm. This is you know is, is just reality. You have not been fired, therefore you are doing on some level a satisfactory job. Okay. Now the thought is going to come to you. Yeah, but you suck and you suck at this job. You right. suck at every right. job. You right. always suck, and they're going right. to find out. Okay. So here's here's how we begin. Is as Glenn saying we attack that thought. We we take it captive, as the Bible says. We say no. Right. No, no, here's, here's the reality of the situation. The reality is I've worked here for three years. I've had positive reviews. I have not been fired. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm feeling rough this week, but I'm, you know, I'm doing the same output I always do. There is no problem. You are a lie. Yeah. I am calling you out as a lie. We have evaluated this. The end. Yeah, and all employees on. have good weeks and bad weeks. Absolutely right. And boss understands that, mm-hmm. period, the end. And here's the number one thing. I'm following the Lord. The worst case scenario is suppose they do fire me, God will provide another job. Yep. So that's, we're done here. We've evaluated yep. this. Now we're moving on. Now, if you're like me, um, later that same day, those go back, you suck at this job. You suck right. at every yeah. job. You're terrible. Yeah. One of the things, the thing I want to ask you to think about is at a certain point, we have asserted the truth. We've we have we have looked to see is this a lie, and we have evaluated. Yes, it is a it is a lie. The thing I want you to to think about is, could we get to a point where we can just let that float by us? Right. Where that that thought comes, uh, you you say, stay on by, dude. Just mm-hmm. clouds in the sky, just floating past me. I don't I don't have to get in a wrestling match with you because I I already know you're a liar. 
Yeah. I, I don't I don't suffer fools. I don't mm-hmm. I don't waste time on nonsense. This is nonsense. So mm-hmm. no. Just mm-hmm. you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on with my thing. It turns out, uh, Glenn's saying that you that you attack these thoughts, and he's absolutely right. That actually at a certain point is the most effective attack. Is mm-hmm. the is the just it's the judo move of just I dodge, you keep yep. running that way, I'm yep. gonna keep walking this way. I've already done the math on this. So, Exa- yeah. Exactly right. I'm not engaging with you. Because yep. yeah. that's you know, that's the thing. There are certain the, the funny thing about our brains is there are certain there are certain kinds of repetitive thought where they really want us to keep rehashing it. Mm-hmm. Like that's the good stuff. If we could just get in it again, because mm-hmm. you know what? I hear everything said earlier is great, but you know what, I got a new angle on the ways you mm-hmm. suck. And I'd like us just get into it and really all bets are off now. Yeah, just Let's look start at over it. Again. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, and the, the thing for us is if we've evaluated it, we've evaluated it. And, and so now it's about water off a duck's back. It's about yeah. clouds passing mm-hmm. us in the sky. As Martin Luther said, you can't stop the birds from flying overhead, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. I'm just right. going to keep walking. You keep going that way. I'm going to keep going this way. I want to encourage you to think about could we get to a point where that's possible for us, where we don't have to actively engage with every single negative thought. We can just let it pass us by and keep, uh, keep on with our day. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think that's entirely the place you want to land with this, where um, you can, you as Glenn pointed out, uh, you do have to do some serious wrestling early on. But the place you want to get with negative thoughts is that kind of you know you're investing less calories in it. As, yep. as Jed points out, it is. I do often think of it as arguing with a small child. What you could do? No, no, right. That there's no more explanation. There's no, or we did this yesterday. Yep. No. Not doing that, and I think Lee, maybe if you can line up for us, I think content. One of the key parts in getting to that place, as Jed is pointing out, is really going hard with that initial, as Glenn would put it, attack. Yeah. You can't really. The more you really dig your heels in at the beginning and say, "I'm going to look at this," I'm going to counter it with everything I have from just my own thoughts and scripture and all that stuff. I'm going to go at it. Then that gets us to that floating it by place quicker. But let's say it's a it is a a, a new line of attack or the first time I'm doing this. What are the kind of things we can we can think we can say we can look to to really dig our heels in and get that spot? Um, it's, a, it's a great question. I actually love the way that our question asker puts a, a sentence in here where you say, "What are some tips?" And I th- I love that question. What are some tips? Because I think for a lot of folks who, uh, for a lot of Christian folks, their mindset is, well, I'm just, I, I'm just going to be okay today. You know, it's just, everything is just one big blob. Like mm-hmm. I'm just going to have joy or I'm just going to, everything is, I'm just going to decide everything's awesome. And it is like Glenn was saying that, you know, this, this idea of the power of positive thinking or whatever. And so there's no nuance in that. Because, you know, it's like, I, I, I'm just going to just, I'm going to paint the entire day with this one brush. It's, it's the paint bucket tool in the, you, you know, in the, in the computer program where you're coloring. It's just, we're going to just color the whole screen with joy. And so then, then that's the only thing I've got room for. When the problem is that you actually have some nuance in your day, you have, like Matt's saying, you got some new problems that arise, or like Jed's saying, the question you answered already comes back and hits you again. And so I love this idea of like, what are some tips? What are some strategies? What are some things I can do? One thing I can say is that um, when you're having, um, when you're having a moment of clarity, when you're having a, a, a lucid day where you're not feeling as down, one of the things that you can do is to is is to kind of look back over some tough times that you've had and 
try to try to triangulate some some um predictable areas so like like these guys have lined out like um you're you're being lied to in certain specific ways well let's look at some predictable things so that when I'm feeling down, because what happens is, like I was saying, the Christians, a lot of times with Christian folks like to say, well, I'm just going to have a great day no matter what. But then what happens is we have all these little things come in and then that, the, the, the down feeling feels like just the same kind of glob. It's just one huge, everything in my life is now gray. I'm, I was going to have a joyful day. Now I'm having a gray day. I can't see what that is or figure out what, what any of that is. I can't answer the question. I can't fight the thing because I don't know where the lie is. It's just, a, I just have a feeling of malaise and I'm down and the whole thing. So uh, one tip that, that I would suggest is have some questions ready to ask yourself that would line you out in some particular and predictable things that people fall into. For instance... Um, and, and you can kind of do this for yourself when you when you get past some of these struggles. You can look at some of your specific kind of uh, traps that you fall into. But ask yourself a question like, "Am am I being lied to about something about my past? Is there something specifically about my past that I'm feeling guilty about?" Because the truth that I know in this is that I'm forgiven by Jesus for my entire past, so I don't have to feel guilty about my past anymore. Am I being lied to something about my future? Am I afraid of something that hasn't happened yet? This is a predictable thing that I'm going to feel down about, that I'm going to feel confused about, that I'm going to feel afraid of. Um, Am I down because I'm comparing myself in some way to somebody else? And I feel like compared to them, I suck in you know, X, Y, Z in these specific ways. This is just like, that's a real broad strokes example. But when you're asking for tips, see, when you have a down day, it just feels like a gigantic blob, a big cloud is just rested over your day, over your vision, over your, your whole field of vision and the way you feel and everything. And if you could start to kind of poke at it a little bit, go on the offensive and say, is this about my past? Is this a guilt thing? Is this about my future? Is it a fear thing? Is this a comparison thing where I feel like I suck compared to somebody else and get some truth for those things. And then we can start to pull it apart because like these guys are saying, it's specific lies that you face over and over and over again. But when they come at you, it can feel like just this gigantic blob. Mm -hmm. And so let's start to just pick at some, you know, predictable potential lies and start to take those apart and see if we can find where it is. And that's going to help us go on the offensive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I think that's an excellent way to think about that. I think if you really synthesize what all these guys have talked about, if you can take that, uh, the, the attack mode that Glenn is talking about combined with the, the strategy that Lee has given us there and want to end in that place Jed is talking about of just kind of shrugging it off, that is the, the best possible formula for dealing with negative thoughts, from, even from a purely secular sense, that's what they tell you, when you take that kind of biblical truth and that strength from the Lord and that wisdom that we're talking about, that's really the way to get where you're going on that kind of stuff. All right, we're going to move to our next question here. It comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, should people feel guilty about being more financially well-off than others? I'm considered wealthy compared to many others, but considered poor compared to many others as well. It's easy to feel guilty about being able to afford certain luxuries, but at the same time, look down on other people who are better off than me and think it must be nice to have so much while others have so little. It's easy to blame others, but how do I get over this? 
feeling. And Jed, can you start us off on this one? I can. Well, let's, in a, a, a little weird, but go with me for a second. Let's start with a bit of a history lesson. So throughout most of human history, you were born into a class, or in some cultures, a literal caste. And you were uh, poor or rich or somewhere in between, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what you're born into. That's what you're going to die at. That's the way your life is always going to be. Mm-hmm. That's it. Now, in kind of uh, Western culture today, there's a bit more mobility. You can, you know, kind of transition from one thing. You can be born middle class, but you can kind of, you know, work your way to upper middle class. But here's the funny thing: not very many people do that. As it turns out, right. most people, life still works exactly the way it always has. You're, you're born into one kind of socioeconomic class. You basically stay there your whole life. Here's they've, they've done studies on things like uh, life income and the going to a four-year university in the United States. And the number one indicator is how much money do your parents have on all mm. that stuff. There, there you go. So basically, you're, you're born into a certain class and you're going to keep on being in that class. Here's why that matters per your question. You didn't have any choice in the amount of money that you have. That's it. There's, there's nothing for you to feel guilty about there. There's nothing for you to feel right. weird about there. You were born into this. Uh, mm-hmm. Same as someone a thousand years ago. They were born into their life. You were born into yours. That you had no control over. Where you have control over is what you do with what you've been given. Right. That's the thing that matters. And God is not holding you accountable based on how much you have to work with. He's holding you accountable on what you do with what you've been given. Exactly. That's the thing that matters. So... A humble person says, this is, a God, this is the, the right attitude and the godly attitude to say, I am a servant. I have been entrusted with a certain number of talents and resources. wasn't up to me because I'm a servant. So I, I, just, I just receive. My job is to use whatever I've been given as my master intends because it doesn't belong to me. So that's, mm-hmm. that's whether I've got a million dollars or ten dollars, it makes no difference. My job is to use it as my master intends. Now, what you might note is that there tends to be, as people have more and more, they have a tendency to think, no, it belongs to me. It's right. uh, it's right. it's mine. Right. Did, so. did, did you work hard by any chance? I worked super hard, y'all. Oh. Yeah, so it's mine. I thought it was, you were born to fairly wealthy parents in a place with a really good public school system and didn't have to take out student loans and got a job with someone who was in a professional society with you, but it was just a hard work. Yeah, no, I worked super hard. Oh. I worked super, <laughs> well, super hard. Simple. And you know what, guys? You're welcome. Wow. Okay. You're welcome. And you didn't have help from Sunday school teachers, nope. little league coaches, nope. any kind of other nope. grandma. Nope. No, just all me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Came up. That's you all me. You were just so brilliant, dude. Yeah. No, I, I started at the bottom. Now I'm here. But here's the important thing. No. <laughs> no. I rebuke Drake references on this show. Here's, here's what the Bible says. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything is in it. Mm-hmm. Let's repeat that because sometimes we can get confused. Right. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I'll tell you a funny thing that we see because we, we deal obviously with a lot of poor people, but more, more than you would expect, we deal with a lot of extremely rich people too. Mm-hmm. And um, the funny thing is no one ever wants to admit they're rich. Right. No one. Yep. Uh, it actually yeah. freaks people out. They don't want to be called rich either. That's right. Um, if, if you're rich, you're rich. And if you are able to listen to this podcast compared to much of the Earth's populace, you are rich. Mm-hmm. Just, just so you know, uh, if, if you are guaranteed to have three square meals today, you're rich compared to a heck of a lot of people on planet Earth. So that's how that works. The issue is not to feel guilty about this because this is the problem. The moment guilt enters that picture, we begin hiding. 
Right. Uh, yep. We begin trying not to look at what we have and what mm-hmm. we could do with it. Mm-hmm. If you're afraid to admit that you're rich, then you actually can't be generous. Right. You actually can't say, God, what would you have me do with these riches that you have given me? <laughs> um, th- this becomes the, the righteous thing is to say, God has given me what he's given me, and he's kind of given me a lot. Compared to certain people, I am rich. Or what do you want me to do with these riches? Because all of it belongs to you. I think that is exactly the right attitude to uh, approach this with. And Lee, maybe you can unpack another aspect of this for us, which is it, it would be a unhelpful question to ask, what is the correct rubric for judging myself and other people for yeah. what wealth is and how they spend it, how they do it? Right away. Um, probably a far more uh, helpful exercise. And what our friend points to here is the way they, when they ask, how do I get over these feelings? The way to get over it is to give up the comparison and yeah. the yeah. judgment and kind of as, as people would put it in elementary school and just come back. Thanks to hip hop culture. Uh, keep your eyes on your own paper. Yep. Mm-hmm. And ha- yeah. But how do we get to that kind of, you know, because as Jed points out, everything in the world is judging and comparing things and particularly, right wealth but what's the what's the christian attitude to get past that kind of comparison culture well you know it's funny because the in my notes were a lot of the things that jed was talking about in in the sense that this is this is money that god has entrusted to you and you want you need to see it that way we want to aim for a place of you know god loves a cheerful giver we want to find where the joy and the fun would be in giving so that we can get out of these other things but here's the deal is you can't see any of that and you can't think in those ways at all if you have the comparison piece in your mind. Yeah. This is a really cool verse from the Apostle Paul. And this is, by the way, this is where we want to land. Um, I, I know we're not going to just flip a light switch and be there today mentally and emotionally, but this is important. This is in the Bible. But with me, it is a very small thing if I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. And... That is such a cool thing. The Apostle Paul said, if you judge me on anything, guess what? I don't care. And by the way, I'm not even judging myself. The Lord is my judge. He loves me. He says I'm forgiven. We are at peace. Therefore, if you have a a, a bad opinion about me, um, guess what? I super don't care. Uh, I'm not operating out of that, in other words. Uh, You might have a bad opinion of me, but I'm not factoring that into the calculus of how I make my decisions, emotionally, mentally, and any other thing. That is the place where we want to land with the comparison piece. And I know for a lot of people that feels like that is uh, Everest. What you're describing right there is Everest. I can't do that. So uh, so I don't, even, I don't even know where to start on this giving stuff. And the thing that I would say here is, okay, well, let's admit that that's where we are. And let's start taking that to the Lord every single morning and everything that we're doing. Let's start taking that to him and saying, hey, can we talk about this comparison thing? I, I feel like I've never been able to get out from underneath it. And I want to figure that out. Would you give me some steps today? And could we start making, you know, is it possible that this is one of the big hangups that's really holding me back is this comparison piece? I've got to get out from underneath this because I can't see any of this other giving stuff if I'm looking at how people look at me. Um, and and it's it's as natural as anything else. And what we're what we're looking at the, the way Paul is talking, 
That's not natural. It's supernatural. And it comes through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. But that's where we want to aim the boat. That's where we want to, that's where we want to drive to, where we want to sail to. And so I would say, if you can't even think in these other terms, which is where we want to get, like Jed's saying, we, we want to see this, this money is God's. He gave it to us. He entrusted it to us. Let's find out what he has for us. And that's going to be a joyful and a sweet thing. But we can't even see it if we don't start to knock down this comparison piece and really, really make some strides in that. Amen. That's a really, really good point. Glenn, I'd love to get you to close out on this question. I think um, exactly where Jed started us this we have to get out of the idea of thinking of any of this as good or bad beyond are you doing what God asks you to do with the money right. he gives you. And it, it comes from both ways. You know, Glenn, uh, Jed mentioned the the story of the parable of the talents, mm-hmm. and that, uh, the person who does what God wants is the one who had the most. That's right. We have stories like the, you know, the widow's offering where the person who did what God wanted was the person with the least. Right. But in both those cases, the person being commended has nothing at all to do with amounts and just— right kind of what they're doing. And I think that that is the thing that our friend may be looking for here that leads to the freedom of, I don't care how much I have versus what other people have yeah. versus what they're doing with it. The question is, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? That's You're absolutely right on top of it. I, maybe tell a quick story that I, I think might illustrate what you're talking about there. Uh, we talked about on the, on the, the podcast before several uh, years ago, many years ago, uh, uh, I was uh, I did some uh, guest chaplaining for the Chicago White Sox. I'd come in and and do sort of special guest things on the Sunday morning. They have a chapel service, and I preached to the fellows. And um, on one occasion, I'm walking out, and I met one of the uh, guys who was a broadcaster for the White Sox at the time. And um, uh, we got into a conversation. I, I can't mention names, I guess, because it's sort of a private conversation. But he's uh, he asked me how it went, and I I sort of it was a it was one of the first times I had done it. I sort of gave him a wry smile, and I said, you know, I didn't think about it when I was doing the talk, but I've never preached to a room full of millionaires before. But I guess that's exactly what just happened. Every guy in the room, except for me, is a millionaire, and and, and most of them many times over. <laughs> And uh, one of whom uh, is uh, in the Hall of Fame now, you know. And uh, so uh, I, I was—I told him, you know, I, that's an odd sensation for me uh, because I'm, I'm nowhere near in <laughs> there myself. And I—and I guess I, I was. My point was, I, I thought I did a pretty good job for uh, relating to a room full of people that I had absolutely nothing in common with. And he said, well, you know, you'd be surprised. And he mentioned a name of one of the most famous people in the history of baseball, that he, uh, when he was coming up, that guy was a batting coach in, in, in the organization that he came up in. And so he mentions the guy who is, like, uh, again, super famous. He said, you know, he um, sat down with his accountant that he had, and he said, here's how much I need to live on. Take the rest and give it to widows and orphans. That was it. He just paid himself a small stipend out of what he earned, and the rest just went to widows and orphans, as he put it. Uh, and I found that really shocking, and and that no one knew about that. It's not common knowledge, and uh, and and an amazing what a sacrifice. And I think when I heard that story, per what you were saying, I thought that what he was doing was making himself feel good about being able to spend what he was giving himself because he was giving so much more away. But now that I look back on it, 
I think he was doing something different. And I think it's what I want people to listening to this podcast to do, which is to ask yourself, what's money supposed to be doing in your life? Mm-hmm. Right. For him, he saw money as, uh, I need this much to pay the bills, put a roof over my head, my head have a nice little house. He wasn't living in a lean-to. Or no, anything. absolutely right. He had a nice life. Uh, but that this is all I need for that. The rest mm-hmm. is just of no use. Yeah. No. Therefore, I could sit in an account and I could look at the number and feel good about myself. Yeah, but. It's not, there isn't a use for it. it. It should go somewhere and have usefulness. All of this money, in his mind, all this money needed to do something. It needed mm-hmm. to accomplish something. And uh, I don't think people work out what it's supposed to accomplish. And I think a lot of people have money, they spend money, and they don't know what... Uh, what that, uh, what w- whether it is accomplishing the thing that they're hoping it will, or are you letting it accomplish that? Uh, you want your money to do a certain amount of good in the world. You want your money to do a certain amount of giving you pleasure. Uh, I don't see those as separate concepts, by the way. Uh, you want uh, a certain amount of, of, of resources to, to build the kingdom and all of those kinds of things. It's not so much about the amounts and who, how much you start with, as you point out. It's about asking yourself, what is that goal? What is it supposed to do? And am I getting there? Am I giving myself pleasure? Am I giving to the kingdom? And are these things happening? Or am I just vaguely spending and feeling bad about all of it? You know, uh, bottom line, and, uh, and this bears repeating, churches are the worst offender of all of this. They <laughs> never have any idea what they're no supposed thanks. to be doing with this money. They never have any goals specifically for what it's supposed to accomplish. Double narthex. <laughs> exactly. And the and and uh, and there is never a sense of a real accountability on that, so it, there's no wonder that the rest of us struggle to kind of do that in our personal lives. Ask yourself, what is this money supposed to do? And I think immediately it'll change your outlook. I think that's absolutely right. I can share a story. Uh, Glenn, uh, Jed and I were uh, visiting a friend of the podcast at his church a couple of weeks ago, and they were having a missions conference and. The, uh, we were at a little luncheon afterwards where the uh, missions director is a very nice guy and the pastor were both commenting. This is like the first time they'd really done this deal where they brought all the missionaries they support and representatives of people who couldn't be there to uh, to basically come and just have a little booth and you know, talk to people in the church. And both the uh, the head pastor and the head of the missions committee commented, and this is a, a f- this is a sensation that is very familiar to folks at Lee's church because they do this kind of stuff a lot. And this is a church that's quite generous and gives mm-hmm. a far bigger percentage of their budget to missions than churches you've heard of with pastors whose book may be on your shelf. And they said, people were so excited. Yeah. yeah. There was yeah. a big buzz in the room that we never had yeah. before. Right. And it was just one of those things, as you're saying, it was that first experience of a room full of people being excited that money was their money was doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And not not that you know, ch- churches' money doesn't do stuff, but I think a lot of times churches are not good at communicating that. That's and right. And sometimes the stuff's That's just right. not that, it's not that sexy. Right, right. We need a building because we need a place to have thing on Sunday morning, and we need a place to do the AA meeting and have, you know, mm-hmm. the, the the shower for the, the young mother and all that stuff that is very good, but on the line item, it just says building fund. Right, yeah. that's right. So that's when right. you have people at this place who come in, okay, this is, we went to this foreign country and we're serving, you know, victims of human trafficking. You have these guys doing prison ministry. People were so thrilled yeah. mm-hmm. about seeing what that money was doing. And as you're pointing out, 
I think it is bad strategy and the wrong way to look at this to think of I got my I have I have to give I have to give God his cut yeah, right off the top my my guilt right. tax money right right and right. then I the rest of the money is for fun there's no I don't think there's anything wrong with folding in your giving money with your fun money in a way right. that's right that that thing about the Lord loves a cheerful giver um I, I will speak for myself I I don't make any money I, right. I get paid mostly in nickels. Right, and some of them are made of wood. Yes, you get. We give you those uh, fiber bars. That's absolutely yep. right. Yeah, you can live off of those. Absolutely, easy. it's roughage. Right, in rations of fiber yeah. bars. Right, That's but right. I, I, I do have of, of the of the very modest amount of money I make. I give an embarrassingly small amount of money. To some or- some friends of mine who work for an organization that's very important to me, that being right. Young Life, and when I'm checking my my bank account, with, that is normally a very small number, and it's very small number minus the pittance I give away to Young Life. My the thought that fills me is, that's good. Yeah, I'm glad that's happening. Yeah, that's what you want. It, yeah, I think. It, and if it scaled up, if I made ten times more and gave ten times more to Young Life, I think the feeling would be the exact same. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That, that's what you want. It's, yeah, and, yeah. But as we talk about the cheerful giver thing, of if you can get loose of those, it's the amount and it's the ha, look for it to be fun and cheerful. Mm-hmm. And if you get mm-hmm. those, if you're getting that feeling from what you give, if someone else gives five times more money because they have it, that's their business. I'm mm-hmm. I'm getting the buzz off what I'm giving, and that's really the, the the practical end of what we want for you on all this stuff. Okay, so we move on to our final question. Here it comes in anonymous with our Tumblr box right. and says. How can we know the difference between a person's flaws and a sign that this person is not someone we should be in a relationship with? The Bible tells us that no one is perfect, so where do we draw the line in dealing with someone's imperfections? I ask because I'm in a relationship. Mm. Things weren't perfect, but we were focusing on God and growth and marriage. Mm. I recently discovered that my partner had been flirting with other people via text. No. You'll get your chance. They said they're dealing with insecurity. No. You'll get your chance. <laughs> Is this a flaw? Yes. Or a sign? No. <laughs> I, I think it might be a flaw and a sign. To yeah, be yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah. Well, we we'll, we can only guess how Glenn will feel about this when his turn comes around. But sure. Lee, I'd love to I'd love to start with you. But and I'd love to contextualize this question. We have some fun, and we thank you, dear question asked for writing this in and. I do think the, the flaw or sign thing they've written down may not be the best way to think of this, but they're using the words they have, and that's we applaud that. But let, mm-hmm. me, let me recontextualize this a little bit in the sense of this, well, nobody's perfect. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their stuff. And a lot yeah. of Christian circles, that gets used as a get-out-of-jail-free card for mm-hmm. any level of misbehavior. Right. And that's, that's super right. not fair, but that does that is something... One of those gray areas we talk about is, as uh, Jed's right. wife put it, the left and right limits. Uh, there are some things where, you know, this person has a, a personality foible or a character flaw that is a little grating. That different than this person did something that is awful. But where do we, where do we define that? Because all actions are born out of those kind of character flaws. Mm-hmm. But what are the differentiations we want to make right. between this is someone dealing with their stuff and this is an action that is problematic to this relationship? Well, th- so this is a that, – that is really interesting, the way that you set this up. And, and we want to say to our question asker, dude, this sucks that you're in this situation. This is not yeah. cool. Um, we're sorry that you're there. Um, you're going to hear some, some, you know, you're going to hear some strong stuff, some a hard word. But the really interesting thing uh, about the way that, for the way that you set up the question to me, Matt, is that really 
when it, when you're in a relationship, you get to make a call. What am I going to put mm. up with, and what I'm not? What am I not going to put up with? And in the Bible, there's not like um, you know dating chapter four, the book of dating chapter four, where it gives you the the here's the line on all the things. You know, and so we have a black and white, you know, line on exactly where we fall on all that stuff. And, you know, and then there's not a chapter after that for what music you can listen to and for which, you know, candidates you can vote for and stuff like that. And this is where a lot of Christian people get uncomfortable because what that means is that if we're going to walk with, if we're going to have a relationship with Jesus, we have to have this walk with the Spirit. Which means we've got to figure out what what is God leading us into and that kind of stuff. At the exact same time, there are some things where you're just like, hey, we have moved far beyond um, the normal kind of realm of character flaws and stuff like that and things I'll put up with. You know, I'm not going to put up with a person who does this or I'm not going to put up with a person who does that. You get to make those calls. But we... In this particular question, with the texting, the flirting of with the girls, and then and then making a, you know, making a BS excuse about how this is how I deal with my insecurities or whatever, basically every every everybody can get on board and say, no, this is a this this is a a line that has been crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, but um, I can almost guarantee you. Um, which you know we've never met your boyfriend, but we know him. Um, <laughs> um, I can almost guarantee you that you don't even know everything. Yeah. Okay. And 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 if you do have all the information right now, I promise you this little this little problem that this dude has is going to have a growth spurt. Okay. Um, it's not going to stop with the texting, is what I'm saying here. So this is a, this is this is a this is a this is a big deal. It's a it's a huge problem. Um, it's it is a complete non-starter. This is this is where this needs to end. This is not this relationship does not have a future. Um, that's pretty crystal crystal clear. But that's because this this dude is uh, setting up this completely false thing of. The way that I deal with insecurities is is I run around behind your back and and keep other relationships on the hook um, in case this isn't going to work out. Now, like Matt's saying, there's all you know. You got to make calls in any relationship about what are the things that I can put up with and forgive and forbear, and what are the things that I can't. But when we can all get on the same page and say this is not. This is not what you can put up with. This is not this is not the kind of thing. This is a relationship that doesn't need to go any further. And that's why you want to have the kind of people in your life who can look at you and look at your situation and say, "Honey, no. That this is we we need to shut this down. We you need people that you can trust, people who are walking with the Lord, people who can help you make these decisions when you can't see it." Yeah, I think that's absolutely the right place to start here and everything Lisa's are spot on. Glenn, I'd love to get you to unpack another aspect of this a little bit more for us, which one of those is that Lee uh, absolutely correctly says, dude got caught with his uh, hand in the digital cookie jar mm-hmm. and pulled, oh, I, I, I feel bad about myself sometimes, and mm-hmm. this is how I deal with that, mm-hmm. which is um, a, a making up a BS excuse. But in a, in a, also, in a parallel odd way, that is a more of a truth than I would bet that dude wanted to admit. Yeah. But here's the thing about that. That doesn't matter. 
Yeah. There, there, I think there's an idea that with right. this, you know, nobody's perfect thing in Christian circles that if if we can just investigate this <laughs> and just arrive mm-hmm. at why this person involved in yeah. these actions, that yeah. is in and of itself a solution. Right. And I think that's one of the things we need to push back against here. The, the, the issue is not that uh, your your significant other struggles with inse- has struggles with insecurity. Right. Everybody has struggles with insecurity. Sure. The issue is the actions they are taking to yeah. deal with that and whether yes. or not that's acceptable. Exactly right. Um, that's that's exactly right. This is the the issue here is, and we, as you brightly pointed out, we don't want to get into semantics here. Uh, but this is not a flaw. This is an excuse. Yeah. That's different. Uh, we've all got flaws, but we aren't all making excuses. He, he's weaponizing this flaw to use as an excuse. Yeah. A, a, a quick example, we're, a, a couple hours ago, we're upstairs to having dinner as a staff. We're talking about a, 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 a person that we know, an older lady that I think is being mistreated. And, uh, not, and like a, not like a nursing homey way. It's nothing like that. No, just yeah, just a church tr- drama. Tr- yeah, church drama. And I was, I was pretty upset about the way she was being treated. And I said, as part of that, well, she's a huge pain in the butt, but it never bothers me because I'm a huge pain in the butt. And who am I to judge? Sure, you connect on that level. <laughs> and, and I, everyone gasped and, and turned to my wife, who immediately nodded in agreement. A, that I am a pain in the butt, and B, I don't in any way judge her for being a pain in the butt either, because you know, who am I to judge? Uh, that's me saying I, I, I do have flaws, but I'm not making excuses for them. Yep. <laughs> I'm saying, uh, in fact, that I don't have the right to judge anybody else and, and their flaws and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, that's a different kind of thing because what it means is you're taking responsibility for the fact that you have these issues and you're uh, embracing the fact that you know you need to do something about that. That's what we're... When we're talking about flaws, uh, you're right to point out in this question, everybody has flaws. Therefore, the next thing you should be saying is, since everyone has their flaws, it's not about whether you have flaws or not, is whether you're addressing those mm-hmm. and dealing yeah. with them, or are you making excuses? If the excuse is, well, I'm insecure, that's why I'm doing this, feel sorry for me, then we're we're getting away from uh, addressing this and dealing with this. You, you're asking for where the line is, and this is precisely where the line needs to be drawn, is are you taking responsibility uh, for these flaws, for the problems you have? And and I want us to, in fact, draw a line even more clear on that. Uh, yes, everyone has flaws, but there are there are some flaws. If I'm in a relationship with anyone, there are some flaws that other person has that are directly affecting me. Yeah, mm. that list, everything on that list, needs to be under severe attack by yeah. the person who's perpetrating that 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 flaw. Uh, if you're if you have a flaw within you that is messing up my life, dude, I need to see you in all-out effort to immediately curb that flaw or that struggle or that issue that you have to the point where it's not affecting me. It may still be affecting you, but you need to have that to where it's not in any way overlapping into my life either. Because what's happening there is. I'm trying to move this relationship forward, and you're taking us both out with that. That's right. So th- these, that's, a, that's going to be a small list, even on a dysfunctional person. That's going to be a fairly small list. But anything on that list of a flaw that you have that's now affecting my life in a, in a significantly negative way, 
if there's any making of excuses, if there's any just laziness on engaging with that, if there's any kicking the can down the road, any of that, that to me is a really big red flag. And I think that's what you may be looking at here. I think that's absolutely right. And I want to uh, double back to clarifying something you're talking about there. You're talking about, you know, you need to be, if this affects me, I think one of the things, and I know you have said this to people, in a more serious relationship, you're not you're not actually talking about amount of uh, effect or dis, disrepair this brings into my your life in the sense of effort. Right. If That's somebody's right. thing is, you know, I feel insecure, and one of the ways I deal with that is we need to have some long talks about, you know, the way we feel and boundaries and all that stuff. That's good. That's right. That is, that, but you're that's engaging. productive. Yeah. Yes, that's or right. Or I need that's you right. to, I, you know, I have an appointment with my with my counselor, but my car's broken down. Can you drive me to the counselor appointment? Right. Huge pain in the butt, but yes. we're moving forward. Absolutely right. So the, the thing is not your problems are your own problems. Fix them. Right. But right, are right. we, are you looking to address these problems in a way that will actually address them? I think yes. the yes. the excuse, as you put it, which is dead on in our question, I just say, if you're if you're texting other other people for that feedback, that is acting out of insecurity. That is not, as they put in the question, dealing with insecurities. That's actively yeah. not dealing that's with insecurities. That's right. That's yeah. the big indicator. Uh, that's yeah. a different thing. And Jed, if I can get you to close this out on this, I think the issue, the issue here, as both these guys have pointed out, is it doesn't actually matter your motivations here yeah. in a in a in a relationship. If 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 both partner if both parties looked at said we want to move this relationship forward, we want to put the effort that Glenn and Lee are talking about, then we can get back into, okay, why do we do this? How can mm-hmm. we bring this in the future? But as far as assessing it right now, it, it kind of, in a, in a legal sense, motive does not matter. It's yeah. just the action. So what are the questions we have to ask about what a, someone did? That's a good question. So Thank you. Yes. Something that Christians struggle mightily with is recognizing that there are things that are deal breakers. Um, mm-hmm. Christian culture is one where you're kind of required to give me the benefit of the doubt at all times, uh, you're kind of required to try and see things from my perspective. And uh, actually, most of life doesn't work that way. There are, uh, in, in most contexts, there are things you can do that will permanently end this arrangement mm-hmm. if you do them. So an example is, if you work um, you know, at a, at a McDonald's and you take money out of the cash register and you put it in your pockets, it doesn't matter why you did it. Right. You're fired. That's, right. That's it. Yeah. I don't want to hear about your insecurities. I don't want to hear about problems at home. I don't care. You stole money out of the cash register. It's yeah, over. That's right. right. And people made, people made fun of me in middle school, so I really feel like stealing the money out of this cash register would address that. Right. Super doesn't matter. You're fired. That's it. That's um, and the funny thing is Christians have a way of looking at that as mean and cruel and, yeah. and unchristian yeah. and wrong, and all of that is off. And unforgiving. And unforgiving. Yeah. All of that is off. All of that is off. That's, that's not it at all. The, the right response to certain actions is you're out. Right. Period. The end. Well, Jed, I think it's absolutely right. And if I can get you to uh, follow up on that, you, you you mentioned there the idea that Christians see of that as unforgiving. Yeah. I think does that come from a fundamental misunderstanding of what forgiveness is? It certainly does. In the sense of not holding a past action against someone versus not wanting to have put them in a position to hurt you in the future. That's exactly right. Let's look at that. So forgiveness means to not to not hold um, a person's debts against them. That's, mm-hmm. that's what it means to forgive. Now, um, that is not co-equal 
with withholding all consequences for their actions. Mm-hmm. And here's, here's how we know that's true. If that were true, then Christian parents could never punish their children. Right. Christian parents could never discipline their children because if you truly forgave your child for their wrong, then there would be no consequences for their actions. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out that would lead to monsters. Right. I mean, right. holy cow, don't raise your children that way. Um, uh, actions have consequences. And here's the funny thing. God, the God of the cosmos, who could, has the power to remove all consequences, doesn't. Right. Think about that for a second. Jesus died to remove every spiritual consequence of our sins. He didn't die to remove every earthly consequence of our sins. In fact, God often allows us to go through the earthly consequences of our actions in order for us to learn things. Yes, um, yes, yes. You know, much much of the the Lord's discipline that's described in the New Testament is manifest in us experiencing earthly consequences for our decisions mm-hmm. and then learning and growing out of that. In fact, to remove all consequences for a person's decisions is an unloving thing. Not only does it have nothing to do with forgiveness, it's actually an unloving thing. It's a destructive thing. There's also the simple matter that when you... There's an old phrase that pastors use. It's very true. It says, there's no such thing as a sin that affects only you. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're in a relationship with a person and they cheat on you, and we want to be clear, that's what this is. Yeah, Um, this is... is a. A version of infidelity. Absolutely right. And we need to call that out for what it is. If you're in a relationship with a person and they cheat on you and your response to it is to pretend like it didn't happen and um, uh, and it wasn't a big deal even if it did happen and we're just going to pretend it didn't and just ignore it and move on with our life um, – a, that's going to hurt you. That's we're we're not going to escape this. And B, and and I want you to hang with me for a second. B, that actually sends a really funky and destructive message to other people in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, that you are creating a ripple effect by going at it that way. Now, hang with me for a second. If you search your heart and you go to the Lord and you say, am I willing to give this guy another chance? And the Lord says, you really should. And, and in your own heart, you want to, and you talk things out with the dude and, and you, and you work it out. That's a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. That's, and, and we, we want to look at the details of that, but if it's just, Oh no, he didn't really cheat on me. because He's not really cheating. And besides, so I don't really, it's no problem. It's, you he's know, just insecure. He's yeah. just insecure. So it's no problem. It's okay. We all, we all, we all have our struggles. Y'all it's okay. Yeah. Some people chew with their mouth open. <laughs> Yeah, that is a bad call that, again, it, it doesn't affect only you. It, it, it actually it sets a really bad example for, for everybody that knows you. Here, here's the thing. There are actions that this changes everything. This is one of them, if you're not sure. This is, right. this is one of them. Um, just like stealing money out of the register at your job at McDonald's. If, you, if the Lord directs you and, and you want to, there's nothing wrong with going to him and explaining, I am willing to give you another shot here. But you're a you're going to beg for my forgiveness. You're going yeah. to get on your hands and your knees and you're going to cry and you're going to beg right. for my forgiveness. And only when I feel that you have humiliated yourself will I consider right. moving this relationship forward. And if I even think you're pondering, considering, evaluating the possibility of doing this again, you will come home to find all of your belongings on fire on the lawn. That is right. the basis of our relationship moving forward. Don't know why we have to tell a story about Glenn on the podcast. <laughs> right. Right. Now, the funny thing is what I just described, I bet as you're listening, that sounds like super unchristian and mm-hmm. super unforgiving and like really mean-spirited. That's actually the most Christian version of the way this relationship moves forward. Yep. Right. That's, that's the most godly way that this relationship moves forward. The alternative is to say, you're out, dude. 
you you right. you, you done screwed up. You lost right. your shot, so it's it's over. I I hope you're able to get some help with the issues that you have, but you can leave me out of it. When we get into trouble is when we get confused that forgiveness and unmerited trust are the same thing. Yes. That that forgiveness and pretending this didn't happen and burying our head in the sand and just hoping it doesn't happen again are the same thing. They're not the same thing. God is calling you to forgive this person in terms of of um, standing ready to have some form of a restored relationship if they seek it, but he is not instructing you to put your head in that noose again for no reason. Absolutely right. I think that is really the place we want to uh, land on this is this idea of everyone Everyone has flaws, everyone has their shortcomings. That's true. That's fine. That does not mean all shortcomings are equal. No. That does not mean all ways of processing shortcomings are equal. Mm-hmm. We deal with, as we talked a lot about on the show, we deal with a certain number of people at the bridge who have addiction problems. Uh, if that manifests currently, again, and, uh, you know, guys who... Uh, smoke a little too much and have to go to meetings and are a little on edge as they're working through their addiction. That's all. That's all acceptable. Mm -hmm. If, if you come drunk to the bridge and you, we have tried to walk you out and you're saying, Oh, but I'm an alcoholic. You understand? Yeah. This is a character flaw. Right. No. Right. You all, I mean, you you super are. Right. Because you've come drunk to church. But we're not kicking you out because you're an alcoholic. We're kicking you out because you came drunk. That's yeah. right. You made a choice that led to an action. Mm-hmm. That's what we're dealing with here. Right. I think in the same way on this, and one of the other things about this is just skipping to, as well, everybody has their stuff, and it's not really a big deal and all that, means you don't look at the thing in the fullness of it, which we have to to get to actual forgiveness. Mm-hmm. We have to acknowledge what went on here and there is and whether it's in relationships whether it's in churches whether it's with family there is a a very heavily implied insult in well everybody's got problems which is you're never going to do any better than this yeah right it's again well i flirting with other people via text well everybody nobody's perfect that's true there are but there are people who won't cheat yeah. on me by texting other people what yeah, are you what right. are you talking about right. now again if, how's your marriage going yeah if someone snores that's a nobody's perfect you're not going right. to find someone without that level of flaw right if you're talking about infidelity actions the oh, everybody's got their stuff that doesn't even pass the smell test on right. this. that's right but as all these guys talked about some of that's getting out of this christianese of the niceness and the co-flating conflating, as uh, Jed put it, with forgiveness with just giving out trust, which the Bible super doesn't say to do. Mm-hmm. The Bible is pretty clear about who you should give trust to, and it's people who have earned it. And that, uh, we'll leave on that. It's probably a phrase you've heard on the podcast you listened before, but it's one we use a lot up here, which is forgiveness is given and trust is earned. That's yep. something Glenn came up with many years ago to explain this to kind of guys who are de- trying to struggle with, because the guys we work with at the jailhouse and uh, who come out of gangs, they have this exact same problem. Mm-hmm. They they want forgiveness to mean that no one ever holds anyone accountable for their actions because that if you're new to Christianity that seems Christian. Before I was Christian, if somebody crossed me, I did them physical harm. So the opposite of that, if I'm trying to do the opposite of old things, is to just never bring it up again. And that's that's the phrase Glenn came up with to kind of differentiate those things. Mm-hmm. And as he would, as these guys have put it before, I forgive you for stealing from me before. But I'm not going to hand you my wallet now. Nope. Right. That's that's doesn't mean I don't forgive you. Right. It just means I don't trust you. That's yeah. right. There are consequences the for your actions. That's, 
That's actually fully all Christian and fully fine. All right. Thank you for listening. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, the bridge Chicago dot tumblr.com we're gonna with the uh, the money stuff and the relationship stuff we're gonna take out with a jed brewer worship song that deals with a lot of stuff called my good is knowing you very yeah. good song we're gonna take out that thanks for listening just remember we love you god loves you there's nothing you can do about it our apologies to the reanimated corpse of the apostle paul we ran out of time we'll get him booked on a future show <laughs> my good is not a car my good is not a job my good is not a life that's free of every kind of problem My good is not success My good is not my dreams My good is not getting what I want The way I think it should be You work all the things to the good And my good is knowing you You work all the things to the good And my good is knowing you My good is not affection My good is not home life My good is not a marriage To a perfect husband or wife My good is not retirement My good is not money Yes, I see on my TV You work all things to the good And my good is knowing you You work all things to the good And my good is knowing you You give me your son and spirit Give me truth and ears to hear it No